Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, today I am joined by a good friend of mine, a guy I met not too long ago up in Dallas, and he is an upcoming superstar in the uh, in the solar industry, uh, Sean. Sean Wilshane, the owner of Shared Solar Advisors USA. Sean, welcome to the show, man. I'm glad you're here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Pleasure to be here. So you're in solar, man. That that is like to me. That's like the wild west right now. It's like a frontier. It, <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Actually, it's a it's a completely unregulated space right now. And I'm wow. actually in a very unique niche of solar called community shared solar, which, as far as renewable energy goes, is actually pretty new to the game. Um, let me just kind of explain what community solar is just for your viewers yeah, that probably we, have no clue about it. And, and, and me, myself, I've got literally, this is why I love having different people from different walks of life and different business backgrounds on the podcast, because I've got no idea what community shared solar is. I mean, I would <laughs> think that was just a, a, a row of sunbeds laid out by a swimming pool. I mean, that's community shared I, solar, right? Yeah, I mean, so community shared solar is, is how I work it um, and how it's you know, really spread out around the nation as a legislative driven product. Basically, um, legislation in typically more, you know, left, you know, leaning states will get passed. And it basically tells these utility companies, these electrical companies, which are one of the last big monopolies that we actually have in our mm -hmm. country. Hey, you need to give access to your customers, you need to give green energy access to your customers, solar energy access, and you need to let other companies come in and provide this to the, your customers. You can't just get all and gobble all this up and control all the prices and everything. Oh, wow. And so it's a, it's, yeah, it's a very good thing that forces utilities to give, you know, give up a little bit of their profit and have someone to go back into the customer's pocket, but also spread out the wealth to some other companies and, you know, create a lot more jobs in the economy as well, too, instead of having the utility company just take up this whole entire sector and basically control it. That's super interesting because I just... Um... I just switched uh, switched addresses. I just got a new house, and uh, when I went to sign up on the utilities, it asked me if I'd like to buy some uh, part of the uh, buy into some of the community solar stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I'd so, never never come across that before. Yeah, so utility driven community solar projects do actually cost you money up front, whereas uh -huh. um, the states that we're working in, you know, which is only about like eight states right now, their community solar projects actually are subscription-based. Okay. Now, you in your case would have to wait a little bit of time to pay back on your investment, but you would actually end up making more money in the long term, whereas these subscription-based um, community solar projects, they cost literally nothing for the customer to do, but they don't save as much money in the long run. But they literally save money year one, month one, once they're on the program. So. Tell me a little bit about the business aspect of this then. Community-based yeah, solar. So you just you just rock up and you're like, hey, we got some solar. You want to buy it? Or, like, um, break so, it yeah, down I mean, for us. So I'm in the marketing space of the industry that literally just goes and finds the customers. Okay. We have access to be able to like, you'll have some solar developers out there. They'll build a solar field, but they don't want to actually manage the customers on that solar field. So we actually have capability to do that. 
and we're actually in some talks with some new developers to take over their customers and everything. So literally all we do, Sam, in our part of the industry is we walk up to a customer's house, knock on their door and say, hey, we're just out here because you're eligible for a 20% discount on your electrical bill and you haven't signed up yet. We're just trying to see why. And that's right. like literally the opening line that we use. And it's the <laughs> easiest thing in the world to sell. It takes 15 to 30 minutes to sell this darn thing. And my sales reps are making anywhere between 150 to 1,000 bucks for every person they sign up. That's crazy. Yeah. There's like very, very few objections. So I, I really don't call it sales because you're not coming into like a lot of traditional objections, but it is still sales because you have to overcome this mental block that people have in their mind, especially when you're going to knock a door and you're doing cold calling. But as far as cold calling goes, it is the easiest thing in the world. Right. Yeah, that, that's not really the... Uh... That's not really what I'd fancy doing, knocking on doors and cold calling. But I mean, you, you see guys in our groups that drive Lamborghinis because of knocking on doors and cold calling, you know, so it's, uh, yep. it's, it's definitely so. So how does the uh, how do I get solar? Do you sell the solar panels or do you just literally so, just sell a utility? Yeah, so we're, we're not even selling the utility. All we're doing is we're just selling a space in this farm with like, say, X amount of panels that are going to get assigned to them based on their previous 12 months of usage in their home. So it's literally just electricity goes out on the grid. It doesn't even go to your house. Yeah. It just yeah. goes out on the grid. Somebody uses it, but you get credit for every kilowatt hour of electricity that goes on the grid in your name. That's and pretty. That's, that's where you get your credits. And you just pay a bill that's lower based on those credits each month. So how did you get into solar in the first place? That That's actually, so that, you know, that, that could actually, the only reason that I got into this is because, you know, we talk about failures on your podcast, right? <laughs> because my first business that I had, I ended up basically selling it. You could say I failed at it, but at the same time, I didn't owe any money on that business. My first business, I was selling air cleaners and vacuums door to door, and I was working 60 to 80 hours a week. It actually ended up ending in a, uh, me not being able to spend enough time with my family and it ended actually in my first divorce that I got. Um, because well, in my first and only divorce I've ever had. But. <laughs> first divorce so far. Yeah, and only, and only. My, I'm married to my second wife, and I know so much more about being married to somebody than I did when I first started business. Um, so let's, anyways, let's back up a minute, Sean. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that was kind of fun. But let's back uh, yeah. up for a second. I want to talk about your start in the entrepreneur world. Because sure. you just sure. told me you had one business and another business. But let's talk about how you got started. Did you always know you were a hustler? Did you sell things to kids in high school? How did you get your, how did you get your start doing stuff? Truthfully, I never sold things to kids in high school. I did not. I didn't crush it at Boy Scout, like. Dude, I had no idea that weed or... was so profitable. You know, I sold <laughs> I sold candy in high school. I sold candy oh. and, and 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 canned drinks and stuff because we didn't have vending okay. machines. I had no idea. I had no idea there were kids out there selling weed, making a fortune. I was just over there selling candy. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you could say that the, my first venture into being an entrepreneur actually came when I went to basic training in the military. And this sounds kind of silly, actually, or it sounds kind of odd that it was. But here's the thing. In basic training in the military, you're not allowed to have things like candy, tobacco, mm -hmm. or, or anything like that, right? So <clears throat> I was like, well, shoot, I am going to, but you could get certain things, right? So you could get like you could get cough drops sent to you. So what I would have my friends and family members do um, is I would actually have them 
cut open these cough drop cases and I would have them put like Jolly Ranchers and other stuff in that and then reseal the cough drops. And then I would sell these Jolly Rancher pieces for what a dollar a piece. A dollar wow. a dollar a piece. And so and it's because a lot of times you had kids that were 17, 18 years old, they were making their first real adult money in their life. Like I, I, I got so good at cleaning rifles that I would clean a, someone's rifle that only took me 15 to 30 minutes for 50 bucks a piece so that it was inspectable by the drill sergeants and everything. Um, I, I even got tins of tobacco sent down to me, like little, little snuffs that you could put in uh -huh. your lip. I sold one of those snuffs for 10 bucks a piece. So we're past the statute of limitations now, then you're not going to get in trouble for, for selling like, contraband in the that US. That was almost military. 13 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, like the, the drill sergeants, like they know that stuff's getting like stuff's happening. Yeah. And so I did tell them at the end of it that, that I did that. And they were just, they, they were laughing because they're like, oh, so now they're going to check. They're going to open up the candy. Like I kind of ruined it for everybody after me, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we're going to open up those. Those uh, those lifesaver cases or whatever the uh, cough drops, cough drop. We're gonna search all that contraband. <laughs> yeah. Shit. So, anyways, the, when I really got first into being an entrepreneur, um, it was the summer in between my sophomore and my junior year of college. I actually found out when I was twenty years old that I was gonna have my first kid. Oh wow. Um, yeah. That I into five months into dating my now ex-wife. Um, we actually found out that, uh, she was going to be pregnant. And so coming from a traditionally Catholic family, I had to tell my mom and my dad at 20 years old that I was having a child out of wedlock. Hmm. I, and, and how, how was that conversation? Well, it, it's kind of a funny story how I did it <laughs> because so you know, that, that was the worst part was trying to figure out how to tell my very traditional parents how I was going to have a child at 20, 21 years old out of wedlock. Right. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do it after we had finished dinner on one of my uh, trips back home from college while everybody was eating dessert because everybody's happy when they're eating dessert. Right? Everybody likes dessert. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves dessert. You're always in a good mood because you can't tell them during dinner, then your appetite's ruined and then you're hungry, you know? Of course not, and yeah. so here, here's how this happened. So they asked me, they were like, and for her privacy, I won't mention her name, but they're like, hey, Sean, how are you and your girlfriend doing, right? And I was like, oh, we're, we're doing okay. We're saving a lot, up, up a lot of money because she's pregnant. That, that's literally how I said it. And you could see my father like mid, like <laughs> his mouth just dropped, clattered the spoon onto the floor. And so they were freaking out and everything and blah, 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 blah. Long story short. I, that later that summer, after I had our first kid, she was about three, four months years old, three or four months old. I had been working eighty to ninety hours a week to try and make ends meet for our family. Mm -hmm. And I came upon this Craigslist ad that was advertising selling air cleaners. I didn't know I was selling vacuums. If it was selling vacuums, I probably wouldn't have gotten a dozen. But they were <laughs> they were they were actually advertising selling air cleaners. And so. I went and this was originally supposed to be a summer job. Well, I got so good at it that in two months, I actually ended up selling enough vacuums and air cleaners that I would typically make in, in a month what it took me two or three months to make. Yeah. And I was working less hours as well, too. And it wasn't a crazy amount. I mean, I was making about $1,200 to $1,500 a week. But for me at 
21 years old. Yeah, China's 21 years old. Was, that's Yeah, that's killer money right there. Yeah, e- e- even now that's still good. Yeah, you know? at 21, yeah. Yeah, and this was back in 2011. Okay. And um, at the time, they were like, well, hey, you're doing so well at selling. We're going to make you, you know, one of the sales managers of the office. I didn't know at the time that like I was like one of the only choices. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's why always how it is though. That's always I, how Yeah, it is. I was one of the only guys that was actually sticking around because I was making money because I was just going out there and working, Yeah. right? And if it hadn't been for a guy, and I'll, I'll mention his name because he, he, he doesn't mind this, but if it hadn't been for a guy whose name was John McHugh, who literally, if he would have been around today, would have probably gotten a sexual harassment lawsuit filed from because all the dirty jokes that he told in his sales meetings. <laughs> if, if it wouldn't have been for that one guy, I probably wouldn't have been an entrepreneur because he actually believed it. And it, it only takes it only takes one, dude. It only takes one. And and that was probably the reason that I got into being an entrepreneur and into straight commission sales in general was because of how I felt when someone would tell me yes. So you know for somebody yeah, that's listening, sorry to cut you off. For somebody no, that's, that's listening fine. that's that's twenty one years old and, and looking at vacuum sales, because um, you know, I uh, I too sold vacuums in my early twenties. Um, what piece of advice would you give to a twenty one year old that's looking at vacuum sales? How did you differentiate yourself from the rest of the vacuum salesmen? Because in, in vacuum sales when I was in it, about ninety percent of the people were out of it within a month. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true. And I mean, I, I actually got to the point in that industry where I ended up opening up my own distributorship. So, and so hiring and training phone staff and everything. So, I mean, um, we had a really good product for starters. It wasn't Kirby or anything like that. It was actually a product that like the whole point of this vacuum next to the air cleaner, the air cleaner was very good. It was a class two medical device. Um, I actually still have them in my home. They, you know, make it so that people with allergies like dogs or cat allergies, mm-hmm. whenever they come over, they actually don't have reactions at our house. So they're very oh, good. Nice. Um, the vacuum itself was also very good. It picked up a ton of dirt. And it also, the premise behind this vacuum was that it didn't put any dirt out in the air. Because okay. we had this really cool yeah, filtration yeah, yeah, system yeah. on it. And and you would have this thing called a laser particle counter that would measure particles at the size of 0.3 microns, you know, per cubic foot of air, right? And so what we would do with their vacuum nice. is we would we would take the laser particle counter, we put it up next to their vacuum, and the thing would just like go up into the millions of particles, and then you put it next to ours and we go down to zero and be like, Hey, I thought, what'd you buy your vacuum cleaner to do? And they're like, Oh, I bought it to do what? Clean? Well, is it doing that? It's putting a bunch of dirt out in your air and then like well, that's why you should buy this one, right? <laughs> buy, so, buy my vacuum. It sucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the advice I would give to anybody that's young, that's looking at any type of commission sales in general is absolutely 110% do it. What do you got to lose? You, you literally like at, at 21 years old, how much money do you really need to make to get by? Not, okay? not a whole bunch. Exactly. So it's like, what do you have to lose? You're 21 years old. You should be taking risks when you're that young. I mean, I, the only reason that I did well was because I had to do well because I had a family. But at 21 years old, you can afford to make so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you would agree with that. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know? You try try making them at 35 and see how expensive they are. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been making them at 30 and 26, yeah. and that was really expensive too. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Just, just try it because you're going to gain so much 
life skills, you're going to gain so much self-confidence. what was it that set you apart? And what was it that, I mean, was it the fact you had a kid and you, you had no choice? Because I, I get into those situations and, and, you know, the 90% of the people in the room, they don't want to knock a door. They don't want to talk to a client. How did, what, was there anything that set you apart or was it literally, hey, I got to feed my kid. I'm going to go bang on these doors so somebody buys a vacuum. So, so, so much more outside of, yeah, having to feed the family. It was how it made me feel as a person. Like it was mm. how my self-confidence grew. It was how, um, it was how I knew that I was in control of my income. And, and I've always just like, I've, I've been in the military for 12 years. I'm going to be getting out in March. And the only time that I was ever like employed by someone else for a long time was in the military when I had to get deployed like two and a half, three years ago. And it just reaffirmed why I love being an entrepreneur is because I, I love being in control of every part of my situation. And if I screw up, I have me to blame. Absolutely. You know, I don't have anybody else to blame but myself. And I want that kind of responsibility in my life. Okay. Um, and, and we find, I, I have lots of people that work for me, Sam, that you would think that that don't have kids that don't want that, that they don't want to knock doors, but because of our company culture and because of how much money we make and they know they're making a difference in the environment. Yes. Okay. Like in this case, there's more to just like other things. And we give these people so much freedom that going to work at another company, even if you're getting paid a salary sounds absolutely insane and asinine because we give them so much freedom to do what they want to in their own life. No, that makes you know? perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, we treat them like adults. So, I mean, it, like our, our job is not for everybody, you know, like what we do is not for everybody. You, you should only go into straight commission sales if you have enough personal responsibility to be able to motivate yourself to get out there. And sometimes it's not even about motivation. You just have to do it even when you don't want to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And you know, there's definitely a difference between employees and, uh, and entrepreneurs when it comes to that. And you know, yeah, how have you managed to build such a good culture then? Are you, are you focused mainly on core values or, or what is it that drives that culture in your company? You know, core values is one of the things, you know, since um, being in apex with you and, and hearing mm -hmm. about it at the last, um, the last meetup that we did, um, but, you know, we created core values in our company and I can tell just from doing that, um, our production has gone up. Um, people are communicating better with us because that's one of our core values and stuff. Um, but I think one of the reasons why we've been able to build such a great organization, because we have, I mean, we don't have a huge sales force by any means yet. We, we have 20, 20 people that work for us so far, which a lot of people never get past five. Hey, dude, that's more right? than I've got. I think, I think I've got seven uh, moving up to eight now. Um, okay. But again, most of, mine are, most of mine are hourly, though. They're not, uh, sure. not commission-only. i gotta, I got to yeah, figure out paying yeah. them. But 20 is respectable, dude. That's a, that's, that's a medium-sized company. I, we, and, it's, it, and I think it's because they know how much I actually care about them. Like, I legit, I, I legit want these people to make $2,000 a week. Like, because uh, I know because of how big Community Solar is and how much it's exploding right now, mm -hmm. how much they're going to benefit because they're going to become a leader in our company, how much more money they're going to make and how much more decisions they're going to be able to make because they don't have to worry about money. It's just because of the merit of the decision, not because of the money that it costs. Yes. Man, that's a really good place to try to get to as well. 
absolutely. And, 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 and we need them as leaders too. So my, I, I have to develop them. If I want to grow my, my company past one, you know, 50, 75, hundred people, I have to have good leaders in place that care about people just as much as I do and care. Absolutely. Like, we, we have people when they come in, um, fill out a Google intake form. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not just name, address, phone number. We want to actually get to know these people at, at their personal level. I want to know what they like to do when they're not working for us. Mm -hmm. Because like, so for example, one of the, um, one of the people we just brought on board, he's, he used to be a Latin teacher. And so we're getting him this really cool gift. It's like 25 bucks as just a welcome to the company. That's kind of, that kind of reflects that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so like those little things, when we send people that, Oh my goodness. And it's because we care about them and we actually want them to feel welcome in our company. When we send them, when we send that to people, that's a hundred percent more than pretty much any other company's ever done for them. Oh, Just no that doubt. one thing, yeah, yeah. you know, like we will send handwritten notes after someone has been with our company for two to three months, you know, like saying, Hey, I really appreciate this about you. It's literally only like four to six sentences. Every time we do that, big text messages, calls, had people call me crying. Like, because they're like, I didn't know that you appreciated that about me, or I didn't know that I was bringing that forward and stuff. Dude, that's outstanding. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, this is stuff I've just been doing the last six months and it's, you know, partially, you know, apex, but partially just also, I realized that in order to grow a big business, I have to be so much more focused on other people than I am on myself. You are absolutely and, correct. And my marriage has gotten better in the last six months because I've been so focused on my wife instead of just what she's bringing to the table for me. You know, it's just this outward focus. Like I've become so much less of a selfish person. Like even my kids, it's like, what can I do to show them how much I love them, you know, every day or, you know, every couple of days and stuff. You know, so just focusing on other people, I think, has been the key to that. Dude, I've I've loved seeing it happen too. <laughs> we've we've all kind of been uh, we've all kind of been watching you in the background, but it's uh, it's been really good to watch. So, thank you. Um, I really uh, I really like the fact that you take the time out to write notes and appreciate people, and it does make for such better relationships within the company. Because as your company grows, you're going to need those generals around you that uh, that live and breathe the exact same stuff that you do. So you're on the verge or running a, or, or actually building a super successful company. But I want to dig a little bit into um, into the failure of the last company sure. and what went wrong and what lessons that you drew from it that you carried forward into solar sales. So tell us a little bit about yeah. how vacuums didn't quite work as you'd intended. Yeah. So, well, one, you could argue it's hard as hell to sell a vacuum door to door in today's market. It's, <laughs> you know, I completely agree. Like, yeah. Like in, in 2016 or in 2015, when I got out of it, actually a year later, the, the manufacturer kind of like took a lot of their operation back and kind of shut a lot of things down. So you could say I, I got out of it at the right time in that mm -hmm. sense. Um, I was putting so much time into it. Like I would get to the office at 8 a.m. and I wouldn't get home until 10 p.m. sometimes. And I think one of the reasons why was because I wasn't, and I really couldn't afford to at the time, um, I wasn't hiring people like employees to take care of the things that took up so much of my time. Mm -hmm. I wasn't focused on the things that actually made me 100 plus dollars an hour. Did we all like, do that? <laughs> yeah, right now I have my assistant Riley mm -hmm. and that guy takes up 
30 hours a week worth of stuff from me. Yeah. He takes care of all of our onboarding. He helps me with our, my social media content, which is still a work in progress. I'm going to be hiring an internal recruiter now that I'm going to be paying a, a, a salary plus commission as well. Um, actually, one of my really great friends who's going to be, and, and the beautiful thing about with our company, Sam, is Riley and this other guy that I'm hiring all work from home on a computer. They can work from anywhere in the world actually doing this job. Nice. You know, and so. That's that's one of the other reasons why I am doing what I'm doing is because it's so nice to be able to like help your friends out, um, you know, and allow them an opportunity to make some good money and and some more freedom in their life. But anyways, back to the it, it was primarily I was just spending way too damn much time there and I wasn't focusing on and dialing in on the things that just made me money. And but that that's the mistake. That's the mistake every entrepreneur makes in the beginning. They think Absolutely. that I'm the only one that can do this. And then mm -hmm. you realize that a good 80% of entrepreneur business is, is stuff that can be repeated and scaled and, and paid to an hourly employee. Yeah. Now, now I probably work only about 45 hours a week, sometimes 50. I, I think the grind culture, I am so like, I'm <laughs> this, this hundred hour a week work week that people no. are like bragging about and everything. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Maybe when you're absolutely single, but also like, what are you doing about like, for, for me, I know I lost friends because I work too damn oh, hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're single and you're broke, go hustle for a hundred hours a week. Um, but I don't want to be a part of the grind culture. I grind every single day in the allotted time that I've set aside for grinding. When I'm at it, work, it, I'm at work. Yeah. You know, but there's, there's so many studies that have been done out there that you can get just as much work in six to eight hours a day done as you do in 10 to 12. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. And if you're focused, six hours of focused work is better than oh, 16 hours of busy goodness. work. Yeah. Goodness. But it takes, so true. it takes a long time to learn that. And then it takes time to figure out exactly what to focus on. And, yeah. um, you know, Thomas Keenan wrote about it in his book, Unfuck Your Business. Have you, have you mm -hmm. read a copy of that? Um, I got it. I'm actually in the process of reading like a 950 page um, biography about Ulysses S. Grant. So after that one, I'm because <laughs> I'm I'm starting like this new series where I'm I'm taking like people in history because that's like some of the favorite things that I love to learn about. Yeah. And um, don't get me wrong, it's really cool to read books about success, but it's hard for me to get through them sometimes. No, I understand um, that because because it's like I feel like you know because I've read probably about 100 different success books right mm -hmm. and i feel like so many ideas are repackaged and just set out as their yeah. own you know there, there's um a, a mutual friend of ours once told me he said there's there's only about 15 or 20 actual books on this shit and the rest of mm -hmm. it is just other people's interpretations of those original books yeah the the Think and Grow Rich and uh, mm -hmm. Win Friends and Influence People and, and, and those yep. kind of books. Um, what's the other one? Uh, like Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, yep. And for, for all that stuff, there's only you know 15 or 20 baseline books and the rest of them are um, excerpts and yep. reimaginings of those books. But Thomas's book, uh, Unfuck Your Business, he does talk a lot about these time buckets and sure. figuring out who belongs where. So I'm, I'm a real big fan of his. Um, if you, yeah, no, if I, you get to it's it, it's definitely on my next one. Like literally yeah. after this one, it's on my next one. I need to buy a bookshelf. Like I've run out of book space. I, I, I need love to buy it. more bookshelves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had one, but the guys at the media foundry stole it for a supply <laughs> shelf because the media foundry grew and I just like, they just came in my office and took it and left yeah. my books behind. Um, 
but I, I, I would like to talk one more, just, you know, kind of, so we're talking about failures here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. And, for um, this is, this is your interview on my show. Dude. We can take it wherever you sure. want. And, um, one of the, one of the things that I unfortunately did a very poor job of was I, I did not take care of my home life. I, you know, because I was working so much and there could be like things that could be said that my ex-wife didn't do this, but I think that not taking personal responsibility on everything in your life, you know, cause, cause you ultimately chose, made decisions for things, right. you know, so, Absolutely. so ultimately it is your responsibility and like, yeah, I could have been like, oh, well, she didn't do this for me. Well, it's like, well, yeah, probably cause I didn't do shit for her. Yep. It, it, it's, it, it goes both ways for sure. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and so I, I, I wasn't, I didn't take care of my, my ex-wife like I should have. I, I didn't let her know how important she was to me at the times. And, um, you know, it, it definitely bled over into our relationship a lot. And, and business was my number one thing I was focusing on. And now I make sure that I let my, my wife know and my kids know how important they are and not just say it, but my actions always actions always speak louder than words. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, so I've, I've made that mistake too. Um, you know, didn't work out uh, as well as it could have done for me, but the yeah. fact that I put the business before everything. And I think what really helped me cure that was, was the G code and understanding that there's these certain pillars in life that all have to be addressed. And now yeah. every day on my calendar, there's time for every single thing that needs to be addressed that day. And, and again, I work, I'm, I'm constantly working, but mm -hmm. I'm much more of that six hours of focused, intense work where I'm supposed to be than I am of 16 hours just drifting around in, in, the, in the day. That's something that I, like, I have a, I'm learning how to do a lot better of like, cause I mean, when, when you come from door knocking and like, like you're, you're door knocking, like it's easy to be focused when you're door knocking. But for me, it's so hard to be focused when I'm sitting at a computer and trying to get that kind of work done. Right. Right. Like that that's, that's hard for me to do, but focusing on door knocking is like, okay, just go to the next door and knock on it. You know, like, that's cause you don't have your computer to play on. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> so yeah, um, I hear that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, I, there's, there's just definitely, you know, I've, I've spent a lot more time and I think as well too, getting into a business that has allowed me to not spend as much time on it. Cause I think there are businesses out there that you have to put a ridiculous amount of time in. Um, and it is hard to do that sometimes. And there are not easier ways to, you know, take your time back. And I could be wrong on that. Right. right. But I, I believe like on that first business, I, I, I couldn't have even afforded to pay somebody, you know, much less, you know, I was barely able to pay myself and get inventory and everything yeah, like that. I mean, yeah. the whole entire thing just ended up being a wash. Um, and then I did stuff for about six months with the military and then got um, got randomly connected to somebody who I'd had a couple of conversations with on Facebook. And then I had a, then I got into what I'm doing now. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, just being able to get into a type of business, a type of opportunity that does not require you to grind 10 to 15 hours a day, I think is also important. Yeah, it's pretty miserable. <laughs> yeah. So they, a valuable lesson there is mm -hmm. take, take care of every aspect of life. And, I, you know, the thing is, life's going to happen anyway. Yep. So you might as well 
schedule it, enjoy take care it. of it, and enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Um, rather than be trying to run around and be everything to everyone. And yeah. honestly, learning to say no is another huge one that has uh, that's freed up some time. I I would tell people that if if you look if you're in a business opportunity, look at who is doing the same thing you are and look at what their life is like, you know, who's five to 10 years down the road from you, mm -hmm. look at what their life is like. And if you like that, then do what, do what they do. But if you don't like how their life is like, and I'm, I'm not saying initially, cause you never get to know how anybody is initially. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, how are they for after three months of working with them? How are they after six months of working with them? Man. Right. You, you just you you nailed something for me, and uh, yeah. I don't I don't really talk very much about my oil and gas career. I was a uh, I was a landman. I was certified to run around and do oil and gas leasing. I ended up running okay. a, running a crew and being a crew chief. And okay. I'm running I'm running a crew, and I'm 29 years old. And sure. Where these crews go out on the road, so um, yep. you, you either live in hotels or a lot of the older guys got RVs. And I started looking around. I'm, make, I'm 29 years old. I'm making more money than all these guys. I'm, I'm at the top of the list. I'm, I'm the guy in charge. And I'm just looking. I'm like, man, every single one of these guys that's in their 50s and 60s that's pulling a, a trailer house, not a trailer house, an RV and living in that, every single one of them is an alcoholic. They're all divorced. I'm like, is that what I want my life to look like? And that is one of the biggest reasons I exited oil and gas. Not not to not to shame the industry. There's a lot of guys that aren't alcoholics and that aren't divorced. Sure. But the hardcore field hands, when they go out and it's their... I'm, I'm, what am I going to be, 60 years old, divorced alcoholic, living in a freaking RV? Yeah. And I didn't want that future. You know? yeah. So uh, now the guys I look up to, the guys with the living the lifestyle I want, do the business I want, that's the future I want. That's what I'm over here yeah. building. So that's some uh, exactly. that's some sage wisdom from from uh, Sean over there, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So, so I mean, I heard it from one guy one time, and I was like, it stuck with me. And so it's again, we're just talking about repackaging a lot of stuff, and so yeah. No, I mean that that's what it is. We. I don't want to go down a path where I'm following somebody that isn't who I want to become. Exactly. Like I, I align myself with people that are better than me at the things that I'm not good at. And I try to be a better person for it. So hundred percent. Let's talk about solo again for a minute. Yeah. So you're a pretty busy guy with 20 employees. Tell me about your plans for the future for shared solar advisors and where you think this is going. I know within the next six to 18 months, we're going to have 50 to 100 full-time door-to-door salespeople in Illinois, Maine. Um, we've got a couple of other states that are coming on board, but I can't really talk too much about that right now. Um, I know that within the next six to 18 months, um, I will personally be pulling in over a million dollars a year um, because of that. And I am so like it's every day waking up is fun um every day going and doing this business it's just like i'm i know what i'm doing right now is going to have an impact later on down the road yeah. within the next two to three months within the next six months um i am so excited to be able to get to the point where some of those guys are that you were talking about, you know, and investing in multiple different businesses, mm -hmm. um, you know, being that guy that can like come into a business and say, Hey, you need $50,000. Okay. Well, 
I want a portion of the company or whatever, you know, I want to, you know, if I'm going to give you some of this money, you know, and you look like, you know what you're doing, I'm going to let you run it. Here's your money that you need. And I want this part of the company, right? Yeah. I want to be able to get to that point because right now I'm at the part where I'm a, still a business owner and not really an entrepreneur. Right. Um, and then at, once I get to the point of entrepreneur where I'm able to work more outside on my business and looking in, then I can get to that point of being an investor. So six I, to 18 months yeah. away from I think that's everybody's goal because you know the the ten percent of the skill set that that is particular to the business um, has nothing to do with the ninety percent of the the knowledge it takes to run and operate a business. You know, so yeah. like, absolutely, you you could be an electrician, you could be a plumber, you could be an attorney, you could be anything. It's it's the ninety percent that's getting the leads, generating the sales, um, finishing up the back end stuff. Um, that's the stuff that once you've learned it, you can go and be a director of other companies and be an investor yeah. in them. And that's that's the route that that uh, I seem to be getting pulled along on. I don't know if that's something that uh, something that's typical of all the Apex guys. I think that it kind of is. Is that yep. we learn we learn to uh, step outside of our companies and, and go build other ones. But um, so I, yeah, I think a lot of um, I think a lot of the people, especially you know business owners and entrepreneurs, they have a tough time with not just doing the things that they're really good at, right? They, you know, they're trying to do all these other things. I mean, we mm -hmm. talked, we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but you know, I. I probably like right now, the things that I'm best at in my business still are sales training, you know, and training leaders. Right. So I still go out there, you know, every week and I'm still, I'm still getting, you know, sales to meet, you know, the income goals that I have. And it's probably six to 12 months from now, I won't have to do that anymore, mm -hmm. but I have to develop enough leaders and hire enough salespeople to even get to that point. Now, I think the problem that a lot of business owners have is they don't know how to get to that next point, or they don't have a, roadmap planned out to do that or they haven't thought about it enough because they're so busy doing so many other damn things absolutely all right so let's dig in then <clears throat> how do we get to the next level how do you how do you get to the next point for me to get to the next level where i am just developing leaders basically and working more from my outside looking in um, i need to have at least probably 40 to 50 full-time sales reps that's you know, uh... it's not that far away actually and the way you know yeah way businesses grow. I mean, we're at that point where, uh, especially with hiring an internal recruiter, having a business partner um, that's, you know, willing to put up a lot of money to help with that recruiting budget. That would help, um, yeah. Yep. And that definitely is a portion of what we have. Um, and ha having that, I mean, I think I'm about six months away from that, honestly. Yes, that's great. Uh, just to see from where you've come and to where, where you've built to in such a short, short space of time. Um, yeah. Man. All right. So I got to ask this of um, everybody that comes on the podcast. Yep. Because we're, uh, we're starting to run a little yep. low on time here. So before we, uh, before we wrap up, Sean, I ask all the guests, you know, if you had to, uh, if you had to start over from scratch right now, like right this minute yep. with nothing except everything you know, what's one piece of advice that you would give to the Sean that was starting from scratch? Are you talking like with everything I know, like same company opportunity available or like I can't do that industry anymore or with you, oh, you know what shit. I mean? <laughs> right? Like, cause I'm like, okay, can I not do that industry anymore or do I have to go into something completely different? Well, it's my fault because I kind of fucked up the question, but we, we won't edit it out. We'll just ask it okay. a, a little more, a, a little more clearly. No, I'm sure. looking, I'm looking at 25 year old Sean 
and oh, sure. 30, 35, 35 year old Sean or 31 year old, however old you are, talking to 25 year old Sean. And 25 year old Sean's just getting started because we do have a lot of uh, a lot of younger younger folks tune into the podcast, tune into the show. Sure. What advice would you give to somebody starting out? What advice would I give to somebody starting out? I would probably tell them that consistency for starters is the mother of all success. The, The results that you see next week, the results that you see next month, and it literally isn't anything that you do, do not matter compared to the results one, two, three, four, five years down the road. And get on the same page of your significant other about what you're trying to do. Get on the same page. Set your expectations realistically mm-hmm. of yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself and spend more time focusing on other people because truly by giving, you're more happy. You know, like that, we, do, that we could do a like whole some, episode on that. No, know, go on, know, go right? on, please get I mean, it, get into the hippie like shit. Some, I know that it. sounds like some hippie bullshit. <laughs> I used to think that that was like someone would be like, Oh yeah, by giving you yourself, you're more happy. Oh yeah. I would be like, can I drop the F-bomb on this? Or yeah, no? absolutely. Okay. I would say like, fuck that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, um, dude, I talk about it all the time. I, I didn't believe in the, the hippie shit either, in the gratitude and in the helping other they got, people. They got something. They got something, you know? Like they, by truly giving of yourself, you are more happy. That's all I do now. I walk around with a big mm-hmm. fucking grin on my face and I help people all day long. And occasionally yeah. I get paid for it. But yeah. the, the, we, here's, here's the deal, though. If you, if you help one person by hooking them up with something they need, you get two credits in the Good Karma Bank because you're helping the person mm-hmm. you hooked up and the person you hooked them up with knows where the referral came from. And yep. it costs nothing to do. And they all send business. So uh, Yeah. Also, never worry about the people that you help out that don't give it back because it will come <laughs> back in the form of other people. I mean, just on the Good Karma thing right there. I mean... Um, you know, and then also sometimes like don't invest time into people that are not willing to reach back out to you. Oh man. That's so difficult though. Cause I know it is. I want to help. Everybody. I want to see people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I want to see people win, but sometimes you just got to be like, all right, this guy's trying to be too smart for his own good. Mm-hmm. I've told him and three other people just like me have told him, here's what you need to do. And he doesn't go do it. Well, again, you know, it's, it's that 80 20 rule, isn't it? You know, 20% mm-hmm. of the people you pour into are going to pour out 80% of the results for you. And 80% yeah. of the people you pour into, just you, you're just going to end up moving on. Um, but it's brain uh, space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no kidding. I believe it. I believe in brain space. Like you can only have so many things because I, I don't know. I like I'm undiagnosed, but I feel like I have some form of ADD because, you know, when people say, oh, I go do one thing and then halfway through it, I get this other mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I do that all the time. And it's like you can only concentrate on so many things. And you and I've, I've literally gotten rid of so many things that didn't really matter that much, yeah. you know, th- that I would be distracted by. And um, it's it's helped out dramatically. I like to call it bandwidth. I've only got so much bandwidth. There's only so much time I can cut out. And, you know, it's it's a shame because I, I do want to help everybody. But then you get people that come through and they, they don't do the work. And one of the things is, man, if you want to be successful, you got to do the work. Yeah. And there, there was actually a point in uh, 2020, actually, where I was starting a brand new business. And out of I had to shut it down because it just it wasn't working. It was terrible with the pandemic, obviously. Um, but two, it was also just 
taking away from the focus that was community solar and everything. Right. And then also, um, I tried to start another business out of that and I just ended up wasting two, like probably like thirty, forty thousand dollars on this other business in 2020 into a portion of 2021 and I shut it down. And when I did that community solar just shot right up. Right. So I, I yes. guess the main thing focus on the main thing is the main thing. Focus on that main thing until it gets so big that you can't stop it from growing. I, I love that. That's some great advice. So uh, focus on your main thing. All right. One more question, buddy. Um, mm -hmm. For those of us listening and following along, where can my listeners check your stuff out and follow you? What's some good we social media on, spot for you? Yeah. So we um, are on Facebook, you know, shared solar advisors. We post some updates up there. Um, our website is www.sharedsolaradvisors.com. Not only can you go on there and just kind of see what community solar is all about, but we have video testimonials from our sales rep. It's talking about how the job that they have is the least stressful job they've ever had. It's the most amount of money they've ever had, the least amount of hours they've ever worked compared to the amount of money that they get. Man, that sounds like uh, that sounds like a great career, dude. <laughs> I, I, I have I have six people that are in their first year working with us so far are going to be making six figures, and I have two that are going to be making a quarter million dollars, only working 35 to 45 hours a week. So there you go. there, Guys, there you hear it. If you are looking for a job to do and you're not afraid of knocking on doors, uh, go find Sean and hit him up. It's, it's... Well, we'll even pay for the housing if you're not from that state. You just have to get there. Well, look at that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty that's pretty badass. So anybody wanting a career in solar sales, dude, uh provided you've got the correct core values and you're not gonna make me look bad, uh hit up Sean and uh, and get to work. Sean, man, it's been my pleasure to uh, to chat with you for this last uh, forty five minutes or so. I really appreciate you coming hanging out with us, dude. And I'm really, really looking forward to uh, hanging out in Dallas again uh yeah, next week. This week so, man. Yeah, yeah. So I will see you very soon. Tell us once again, uh you got an Instagram they can follow, you got a Facebook. What what was that? One more time. Uh, Facebook shared solar advisors, and we'll we're gonna be throwing up Instagram stuff. Seriously. Shared solar so. advisors. So run along and um, give Sean's page a follow. Sean Wilshane, shared solar advisors. Thank you so much for coming on, buddy. I really, really appreciate you. Thanks. All right, guys, that wraps it up for today. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And as always, if you've gotten anything out of the show, if you've enjoyed hanging out with me and Sean, do us both a favor, screenshot this show, share it in your stories, uh, pass it around, tag somebody you might think would like to listen to it. And above all, if you love it, go ahead and subscribe and drop us a review because that helps people to find the show. All right, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a great week and I will see you on Friday for this week's episode of Friday Fire. You'll be good and stay safe. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you made it this far, you clearly liked it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share it with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.